Hey, and welcome to the podcast where each episode I tell my guests that the world is ending and that they must choose the movies that shape their lives and place them into their own time capsule. On this episode, we have casting director, Emmy winner, Michelle McNulty. She's the person who gave me my first full-time job in LA, so we go back a ways. We'll talk about the show she worked on with Steven Spielberg. We'll find out how she shaped the career of the dance group, the Jabberwockies, and she'll tell us the character that George Clooney played that most reminds her of herself. Here we go. It is time to talk about movies, all your favorites, all your loved ones. We will hear them and we'll cheer them. It is time for Movie Time Capsule. Here today I have with me a casting director, a dancer, a book lover, a dog lover, a mini horse lover, a cowbell enthusiast, an innovator, a two-time Emmy winner, my old friend, Michelle McNulty. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is so funny. I wish I had my cowbell right with me. <laughs> it's in the other room. Should I grab it? Oh, I don't know if our <laughs> our listeners' ears can take all of the cowbell. <laughs> it's a very nice introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. The first question I wanted to ask you, uh, so you have a dog who is a girl. From what I remember, she's named after an iconic female movie character. Is that correct? This is very true. So my dog's name is Ripley, named after Sigourney Weaver from Aliens. So my dog is a Yorkie and she's six pounds, six, five when she's 6.5 when she's a little heavy. (laughs) And, uh, When I got her, she could literally fit in the palm of my hand. And all I kept thinking was, I can't have a dog this little named like Coco or Fifi or some little, like some name that goes with what a Yorkie is ultimately supposed to be. Right. So she needed to be badass and ready to take the world and chase squirrels and run on the beach and just be as big of a dog as she could be, even though she was like six, five, six point five pounds. And so I named her Ripley McNulty after Sigourney Weaver, because there is no, you know, more badass woman. (laughs) And Ripley really did grow into that because she is a fierce little, little lady. I mean, she truly is like, she thinks that she is a she's as big as a and will do the things as like a golden retriever or a great dane and she is had had three knee surgeries because of her squirrel chasing <laughs> <laughs> she sticks her head out the window and she's very bossy yeah. and we're doing it my way and let's go you may hear her occasionally throughout this when she's like mad at me and wants to get a treat or something come on mom let's go Come on. <laughs> um, she stomps her foot at me like uh, the character. And I often say to her, don't you stomp your little last season Prada shoe at me, honey. Because she will stomp her foot. Do you know what movie that's from? It's not Devil Wears Prada. I don't know. Oh, don't know. how is that not on one of my lists, oh, by the no. way? <laughs> no, it's the uh, from Legally Blonde. Remember when she's at the, they're waiting for the water fountain. And she's like tapping her the oh. foot. And then the, the guy turns around and is like, don't you wave your last season Prada shoe at me, honey. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Ripley stomps her foot at me. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Um, what show are you currently casting right now? Or shows, I should say. 
Currently, at the moment, we are casting season 21 of The Voice, if you can believe it. We just got done having a call about another show, which I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but it's very exciting once it starts happening. Uh, Songland and World of Dance, we are not casting, but those were the last few that we just did. Yeah. Um, And then I have a couple of other things that I personally and... I'm developing that I'm super excited about. With a Mr. Jake Burke. Jake Burke. Yes. <laughs> Since this is a um, movie podcast, I would be remiss if I didn't um, bring up one of your previous shows that you casted with Sir Steven Spielberg on the lot. Oh my gosh, I forgot. I didn't forget. That was actually one of, while the show itself did not do well. The one thing that I think people needed to or should recognize with regards to that show is what production did, because it was unheard of. You had all of these filmmakers making short films in a week. You had production following the reality side of what that looked like while they're making all of these films. Then on top of it, it was a live show where people had to vote. Yeah. Then on top of that, it went to, it was broadcast, not just in the United States. Like it went to Australia, it went to, like there were, it was broadcast in multiple countries. So what production did on that show, whether or not it was received well or not, then there was a live stage show element. Like there was all of these things. That show was monster. It truly was a monster show. And anyone that worked on it should be so proud And people should recognize like the work that everyone that was on that show did. It was incredible. Like in the big grand scheme, when you just sort of like look at it, whether or not you liked the show or not, which not many people did, (laughs) it was absolutely amazing in that regards. Yeah. It was a great way to see for the general public behind the scenes, like before YouTube existed and you know, there was all these ways to see um, outside of what you see at a, at a film theater. Totally. Well, the other thing that for me on a personal level, which was sort of mind blowing to me, was I was in a meeting. I've had I did, you know, like two or three meetings with Steven Spielberg. But the very first time I was in a meeting with him and it was Mark Burnett, Steven Spielberg, David Goffin. Um, two of the DreamWorks guys, I think it was Justin and Daryl. And I was like, there were multiple times when I'm sitting in this meeting and it's in his offices there at Amblin and which is on the universal lot. You're in this conference room and the TV actually came, comes up out of a, you know, out of the stand. But on top of that stand is a piece from Jurassic Park, I think from the movie. And then there's swear. And so like that goes up and then you're seeing that. And then there was Rosebud sled. No. Swear is up on the wall behind this glass thing. But then we're sitting around this table and I'm sitting here and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing in here? Like you, I had these moments of like, what is happening? And I'll never forget at one point they pulled out the stage what the stage would probably look like. And there was a moment when Steven Spielberg was sitting there and he's like, 
talking about how the camera is going to move in this way. And then this one's going to come around this way. And like, he was directing like in that moment. Yeah. It was so surreal because I couldn't bug out mm-hmm. because I'm in a meeting to, you know, tell, but like at the same time in my mind, I was bugging out and I was sitting there thinking all of these filmmakers that I'm going to be reaching out to would give anything to be in this moment, yeah. sitting there watching him, how he wants to do what with the stage and the camera and the angle and the, like whatever that was. And it just was like, <laughs> and there was a moment where I truly like kind of lost my train of thought when I was telling him what we were doing for casting. And I had to like put my head down and like, look at my notes and like regroup myself because I was just like, this is so crazy that I'll, I'm sitting in a meeting with Steven Spielberg. Wow. Yeah, it was surreal. And he was so kind and so lovely and very grounded and calm and which I am imagining is what he sort of is like on all of his sets. I have no idea, but like that's sort of just, that was that feeling that you got. Did you guys ever butt heads when it comes to, cause at the end of the day you are offering up the, the cast of filmmakers and then he and some of the other people are choosing. Was there any friction or there was for the most part, he, what we saw as being the filmmakers for the show, it, he got like, it all made sense. There was one moment when I was like, I think this person should be on. And here's the reasons why this was in a later meeting, you know, as casting progresses and here's the reasons why. And he was sat there and he, looks you dead in the eye and he listens to everything that you're saying. And then he said, I respect that and I appreciate it, but I don't agree with you. So no, <laughs> it was just, it was just, and you're like, okay. Like, what a gentleman. Yeah. Like you can't fight it in any way, but you yeah. also felt like, well, he would get it more than I would in some instances. And okay. I just remember him just being very kind and warm and grounded. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's what you want to hear about one of the masters of filmmaking. Yeah. Is is that the hardest part about casting is when you know, like in your brain as the casting director that you have the perfect lineup of cast and then the executive producer on whatever show it might be, like they just don't see it. And you're like, you're wasting my efforts that I've given you. I don't ever believe that they're wasting my efforts that I'm giving them. It can be so frustrating. Because you know you see something. You you know that they will do well on the show. I've had so many people that I felt so strongly about that. And some who've gotten on and actually proven that, yeah, they were incredible. And some who it takes a minute for them to kind of get it. I think the biggest example of that in your career would have been on a show that people may not know if you're younger, America's Best Dance Crew, but you do know the Jabberwockies and Michelle is the reason that they got on that show. Well, besides their talent, she is the one who fought for them to convince the executives who didn't see it that they were going to be amazing. Is that correct? This is true. It's got it's been so long, but it is true. They were a kind of a maybe, if I remember correctly. And they I had to fight like crazy for those boys. And now they're a household name. I mean, they really are. They're so good. Michelle, got some bad news. Just popped up on my 
on my thread here, the world is ending. <gasps> is it ending like pineapple? What was that movie? No, it's not pineapple express. What's this is the end. Is it ending like that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if only the Backstreet Boys can come out at the end, then I'd be okay with that. I want it. You're supposed to finish it. That way. <laughs> okay. It's time to put your movies together. Are you ready? I mean, I guess so. But Luke, this is like not, it's, it's really hard for me to narrow things down <clears throat> in any way, shape or form. You know this about me. Yes. You know, just based on the text messages that I randomly will send you. Yes. You know, based on all of your movie uh, things that you post up on the Instagram and my replies back to you. Yes. I, it, I don't know how to narrow anything down. Text on text on text. And they're not like just paragraphs. They are individual line by line by line text. <laughs> ding by ding by ding. <laughs> okay. Let's see if I can narrow this down. Let's go way back. What's the first movie that you ever purchased with your own money so that you could have and watch whenever you wanted? I think you're going to have to come up with a different question. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think I ever purchased movies. I remember when it very, when HBO first came out. Mm-hmm. And so we would just watch HBO movies all the time. Like, cause they would replay, they didn't have as much content in HBO back then. So you just would replay the movies over and over and over and over. Right. I didn't ever buy a movie. I went to the movies all the time. Do you remember the first movie that you ever saw in theaters? I want to say it, I, this is not true. I'm sure it was something else, but I want to say the first movie that makes uh, that I can think of a very big memory was um, Star Trek or not Star Trek, Star Wars. The very first one, Star Wars number one, like not the sagas that have continued that have like go backwards to the forwards to the whatever, yeah. but like the very first one. And the words that the way in which the words went up on the movie theater, it felt like they were going up over your head. Yeah. And it was like, that is very visual for me in my first memories because that I would have seen that at the Brockway movie theater. So you know, I grew up in Incline or in Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. So there were two movie theaters. There was one movie theater in my town, just one screen. And by the way, my town is three stop signs, three stoplights in the entire town. <laughs> So there's one movie theater. And then if you wanted to see, hopefully sometimes Brockway movie theater, which was over, you know, like 10 minutes away in the next town had sometimes another, a different movie playing than the one that was in the incline cinema. So I remember seeing that in the Brockway movie theater and the words like coming up and the, like all of this, you know, spaceships flying everywhere and the yeah the lasers going crazy like i can vision i really remember that vividly as a being young that would make sense because also you know the the soundtrack just starts it goes from zero to a hundred in half a second yeah and then i also remember it was that was the first one that like in a movie theater that i totally remember and then musicals were the other thing that we just would watch all the time in my house. Did, did musicals get you into dancing or did dancing get you into watching musicals? I got put in. So I might, here's the thing to know. My mom was an English drama 
an art teacher. All she did was encourage your imagination and the arts and dance. And like we grew up, that is literally like that's what I did. And movies was sort of almost an extension of some of that. So like growing up in Incline where it's a forest, I would go out into the forest and there was a little Mm -hmm. rock pile that had like a big mound of dirt with like two different rocks on it. And that was everything from my stage to an airplane. Like it was just what I did. And movies were an extension of all of that stuff. So for you to ask, like, did dancing do the musicals or the musicals do the dancing? I think it was probably a combination of all of it, but the musicals were the beginning of my movie loving. Like that was watching, you know, on the town and watching Singing in the Rain and watching American in Paris and Brigadoon and any 1950s like big musical that was just so bright and big with like Gene Kelly and Vera Ellen and Sid Charisse, who was like magic and Fred is like, do you know what I mean? Like that was Ann Miller with all of the tap dancing. Like that was my movies in my young age. Like we just, that's all I watch. If you had to choose one favorite musical, which one would it be? <laughs> because I knew I put so many musicals on my list when you and I first initially were setting this up, I actually went back through because I hadn't watched some of them in quite a while. Yeah. So this weekend I actually watched some of my favorite musicals. And if you watch American in Paris right now through the lens of what our world is and you see the way Gene Kelly woos um, Leslie Caron in this movie, I was mortified. What does he do? I haven't seen that. (laughs) Oh, my God. But it's still the dancing in it is just so magical. And it's just. He Gene Kelly is like everything you could want in what I envision a movie star to be from his smiling to his singing voice, to his acting, to like the dancing, to what he did with the whole thing. But the character falls in love with Leslie Corona as he's in Paris. Right. And so the first time he sees her, he's at this club in Paris and he sees her and he's just like essentially like stalking her. And she says no a million times. And he's like, no, come here. And she's like, I want to leave the dance floor. And he's like, no, you don't. Pulls her in closer. <laughs> and she's so uncomfortable and she's so mortified. And then he all of a sudden shows up at her work and then says things to her that are so misogynistically <laughs> wrong and terrible. <sighs> Which is so weird to think about all of those things. Because back then, that it was, you know, romantic mm-hmm. and like that kind of stuff. But anyway, so I digress. I apologize. Once again, sort of squirreling out. <laughs> so then I, then I went back and I, and I watched um, Silk Stockings, which is like one of my favorite musicals because there's a scene with Sid Charisse that is just perfection called The Red Blues. And the way in which she dances in this and it's, oh, God, she's so perfect. She's so perfect. But the rest of the movie, I was like, oh, I mean, I loved it back then, but like, I'm a little, it's a little slow. Then I watched Singing in the Rain. And that is truly, if you're going to the old MGM movies, that is truly a perfect musical. It is so good. 
It is so good. (laughs) (laughs) From the storyline to Donald O'Connor to the way in which they, you know, they go. Because I don't know if you remember what Singing in the Rain is all about. No, I don't. So Singing in the Rain is basically like it's the story of making a talkie. Right. And so it's how they go about doing that. And it's just, it's a perfect musical. The dance numbers. Oh my God. It's like the perfect musical. A modern day perfect musical is Moulin Rouge. Oh my God. I love that musical so much. Oh, but then like the greatest showman. Dude, that was a great musical. (laughs) It was (laughs) so good. Okay. So favorite old time. Musical would be singing in the singing rain. in the rain. Yeah, I think it's like perfect. New school, you're gonna go with Mulan. God, it's such, yes, because you know why? They took current songs and they made them fit into what the movie was. The dance numbers were absolutely incredible. I mean, that Roxanne number, I could sit there and watch over and over. And whoever's singing that, I mean, it is perfection. And that was Rob Marshall, right? That directed that. I, Think. That sounds right. I feel like it is. And he used to be a dancer. So like there's that added element of just understanding how to cut all of that stuff together. It was and you never get bored in that musical. Nicole Kidman was gorgeous in it. Like the, the sets, all of it. Like I love that movie. I really love that movie. And who knew that Obi-Wan Kenobi could sing? <laughs> who knew? You and you and McGregor. Mm-hmm. I feel like you watch a lot of horror movies, right? Or you don't watch them at all? No, I watch them. What movie scares you the most? Dead Air in a podcast. That can't be good. Oh, I know what movie scared me the most, and it has nothing to do with actual horror or scare. Requiem for a Dream. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I could only ever watch that movie once. Once. And when I watched it, I was sitting in because it was one of those things that sort of had come on an HBO situation. Like I never went to go see it. And I sat there and I was in this incredibly terrible, awkward position because the TV was on the floor because I had just moved. So the TV was on the floor and I was watching it like this. And I stayed in this position for almost the entire movie. And it absolutely affected me in the same way that maybe some weird horror movie would like it was terrifying so visceral it was terrifying and the thing that was the most terrifying is just thinking of their that the mom just it it, all of it was in the uh, being alone and trying to figure it out and being confused and it was and you know, you put yourself and you put my mom in that situation, even though she's not even that, but like, yeah. you just can't help, but have that movie terrified me. That movie will mess you up. Seriously terrified me. Yeah. I, I will think about that movie like every maybe year it comes up somehow. I'm just like, Ugh, Ugh. fuck you. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your favorite romantic movie? Crazy stupid love. <laughs> Crazy stupid love. Yeah. Great answer. I loved that movie. I will that is another movie that I will I will watch at any point in time. I'm always hoping that I'm catching it before when before they get 
where Ryan Gosling takes Steve Carell into the shopping mall. Like, I hope it's there, but if it's not, it's fine. <laughs> Cause then I'm also loving it when I hope I catch it when Emma Stone does the whole dialogue in the house of like, are you kidding me? And that whole thing and the dirty dancing scene. Yeah. Are you photoshopped? And then the way in which I'll never forget, I actually saw that one in a movie theater and I was with Lee Chestnut. Mm. I did not see the end coming. No, it's such a great twist for a rom-com. It truly was like such a great twist for a rom It was so good. And the characters were so like, even the mom, like you still had heart and love for her. Mm-hmm. And you were, st- I was so excited to see how Ryan Gosling found his love and like in that scene in the room when she puts him to sleep, you know, because she was like, I see how this is going to end. And then that little boy and his love. He's hilarious. The casting is freaking brilliant. I think on every single cast member, even to like the, um, the dad of the, of the, the babysitter, you know, um, I forget that guy's name, but he is awesome in everything that he does. And he has a small part. Wait, the dad of the babysitter. Yeah. He's, he's the big, um, bald guy. He was in Drew Carey show. He played the Zodiac. Oh, the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. He was even perfect. Yeah. Marissa Tomei in that. Remember? I mean, she's so, she was so good in that. Mm -hmm. The best friend was hilarious. Oh, it's such a great one. It's such a good movie. Was this Velcro? Does this make you annoyed? (laughs) (laughs) Be better than the gap. (laughs) Michelle, is, is there a movie that you watched when you were young that when you watched it, you were like, Oh no, I should, I am too young to be watching this movie. The shining. The shining. Yeah. I love that movie. Actually, Jack Nicholson. And that is amazing. Shelley Duvall is incredible. That little kid is so fucking creepy the two twins at the end of the hall. But here's the reason why I watched that movie a million times, probably from the age of like 10 to 12 years old, literally almost every weekend for a while. I watched that movie so many times with my dad. I would go because my parents were divorced. And so I was a weekend kid for a, a lot of things. Plus it's just small town. Like I could just go to my dad's whenever. Got it. Anyway, my dad and I were both night owls. So I would be at his house and everyone would be asleep and I would be up because I couldn't sleep for whatever reason. And my dad was a CPA and an accountant. So during tax time, especially he was up and he just was always a night owl. We would literally watch that every weekend. Wow. And it's so weirdly inappropriate. (laughs) Like for me to be watching that with my dad (laughs) between the ages of like eight and 12, but like literally we watched that over and over and over and over. Do you still pop it on from time to time? If it's on, I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah I totally will. And that I always kind of wanted to go to that hotel because it's in Denver. Kind of. So yeah, it doesn't exist in real life. It's based off of um, this hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, which is equally creepy in smaller different ways, but um, it's called the Stanley Hotel. And then remember, I don't know if you remember, but when he's getting Danny through his like knowing Danny's going through something, the one, the black dude, and he's like sitting in his room and he's got the velvet naked picture of the girl overhead. (laughs) That was so troubling as a kid. I was like, why does he have naked chicks above his his bed? And they're all velvet. 
And then the woman that in the bathtub, when she turns from the lady and she's like sexy turns to the old woman, like think of that. Like though I'm 10 with my dad. (laughs) (laughs) A little awkward. I like those kinds of movies that don't make you like the jump out and scare you kind of horror movies. I'm not into as much. Yeah. I like the, like the get outs and the, what was the other one that us just us. Yeah. That one was, whoa. You like the psychological. I like it to have a little more depth to it. Not just the like jump out at you. Yeah. Cause I mean, you see enough of those, you eventually can hear it coming or you can predict it coming and it's, it's boring. Like, did you like it? No, terrible. Both okay. of them terrible. The worst. Thank you for saying that. <sighs> God, they were terrible. Ugh, they were terrible. Yeah. Okay, go on. What movie would you show someone to cheer them up when they're having a bad day? Talladega Nights, Dodgeball. Those are my jams. Does one make you laugh harder than the other one? Probably Talladega Nights. Just because I love to go fast. That movie. (laughs) That is true. You do drive like a crazy maniac. And I believe that I'm incredibly competitive. And so I believe why we're in a race just to come in second place, which is the same thing as like, yeah, (laughs) if you're not first, you're last. You are Ricky Bobby. I'm literally, and that is so frightening (laughs) to think about. (laughs) That movie is so funny. There are so many one-liners from the kids to the dad. It is so ridiculously awesome. And sometimes I think with the Will Ferrell movie, because I think I actually did see that movie in the movie theater, and I didn't recognize how funny it was until I kept watching it. And that, to me, is a lot of Will Ferrell movies in some ways. Yeah. Because there's another one, if you've ever watched that one that he did about the basketball Fourth place, fourth place. Semi-pro, yeah. I have not seen that one. Oh my God, that movie is so funny, but you might not get it right away. Like a Will Ferrell movie is just, like, they're just so good. And then Dodgeball is kind of along that same thing. But that one I love so much because it's just all so underdoggy. And like Vince Vaughn is like the subtlety in the comedy is so good in that. Yeah. And like the sarcasm is just my favorite thing. Oh, and best in show. Like, how could you not watch best in show if you're in a bad mood, especially if you're a dog lover, any Christopher guest, but best in show is my favorite Christopher guest movie. Like, I think it's so good. Those are movies that you should definitely watch if you're having a bad day. Is there a movie um, that you Quote the most in your in your daily life? Nice. <laughs> Is it? Or National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the line from National Treasure? I would like to I wanna uh discover a treasure that will change the history of all mankind. And then I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. And I like I just quote random things from National Treasure because it's the best movie. How does that make it into your daily life? I want to steal the Declaration of Independence. Because it can. It has happened. (laughs) And I definitely every day want to find a treasure that will change the course of history for all of mankind. I think you already did with Jabberwockies, you know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think 
I think that's, but I would say Talladega Nights too. I like baby Jesus. I like to say my prayers, baby Jesus. I mean, I'm not doing it correctly, but I quote those, like those movies on the regular. You just have to feel the moment and it just comes out of you. It just comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a character in a movie that you relate to in your life or maybe at one point in time in your life? Okay. I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, but I hated the movie up in the air. That movie affected me in such a way because I think when it had come out, we were like super deep into voice. I wasn't in a relationship at that time. I hadn't seen my family. I was all work. It was right when voice was like extra, extra big, I think, even when it came out. And so when that movie came out, I weirdly saw myself in that character in multiple different layers and levels. And I, it affected me. That makes sense. Because I felt like, wait a minute, I'm getting too heavy and not too heavy into work because I love what I do so much. You know this about me. Like I live for what I do. I love it. Yeah. But it just felt so like, it didn't feel empty, but just how empty his life felt in that movie. And for all of those reasons and sort of putting it back into myself, it really, it like affected me. Like I couldn't, I, I couldn't watch that movie for a minute. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the casting life is flying around, living in hotels, going into different offices or studios every day. And you also have to deliver a lot of bad news (laughs) in (laughs) casting. (laughs) It's going to be a no. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Like all of those things. Yeah. And can you say, and then sending, I think I was probably sending my nephew, like every time I would get to a different city, I was sending my nephew a different gift from that city, but it was like not actually being there to give it to him myself uh, yeah. and then jumping out of the, you know, okay, I can make it over here real quick to see the other family, but like, I can't stay for very long. And like, it just, and I was probably trying to get sky miles at the moment and like, <laughs> gotta get that upgrade. <laughs> And then like, I can't, I'm a horrible packer. So even though I should have been like, it just was all of those. That's the silly parts of it. But yeah, like it affected me. Wow. So that was a movie that I related to, but not in a positive way, which I think is like what the beautiful thing about movies is, is if done correctly, there's something that you can sort of relate back to in some sort of way. And like that opened my eyes to like, okay, you got to not necessarily slow down, but you have to make time for some other things in your life that are not just all work related because you're going to miss out on some of these other amazing moments. And I think when a movie can affect you like that, that's what why movies are like. That's why I can't pick like one movie. <laughs> that's why they're the best. But I'm sure like after that movie happened, you probably booked a flight to go home or go see your family, right? Totally. And made some, uh, some different adjustments in my life. So it didn't feel so work, not to say empty, but you know, so just work there, right? like work. And that was all you're thinking about. Yeah. It's easy to get lost in the work. Mm-hmm. What's the movie that gives you goosebumps every time you watch it? So the first movie that pops into my head was up. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know if it's a goosebumpy movie, but like when you said goosebumps, that just sort of like is what pops in my head. So I don't think that I don't necessarily know if it's a goosebump movie, but that's what pops in my head. But don't you love that movie? 
Yeah. I, you know, I think it is a, obviously everyone knows the montage, but when they like dissolve into him alone at the church mm-hmm. where they got married, he's now, he's out there, he's there alone on the steps and you're like, Oh, that's the funeral that like gives you a little bit of the chills and yeah. Instant sympathy. And then just to see the journey. I love his journey in that. I love the journey of that man and into meeting that little boy and like how that whole thing just and his adventures that he had, but he didn't like, he's not looking at it that way. And life is an adventure and they're all kinds of different ways in which to have these adventures. And it doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means. You know, you think adventure and I've got to be like out soaring with a hang glider and rapids with a boat yeah life is an adventure and it's like what how you see those adventures and i that movie is just so magical to me and that little boy is so cute Mm -hmm. is there a movie that you remember specifically for the viewing experience um and not necessarily because of the film but there was a like a unique viewing experience that happened that we will always remember that movie top gun top gun This is so dumb. But I, <laughs> I can't wait for this. Going back to Incline, the one movie theater. Yeah. And that particular summer, I the only regular job I've ever had was I worked at Parkside Creamery, which was the ice cream shop right next to the movie theater. Okay. And so when Top Gun, Top Gun came out, went to the movie theater and it was like the craziest, best movie you'd ever seen. And it was like adrenaline and the Tom Cruise, like the Tom Cruisiness, you know, <laughs> like, and there was Iceman and it was just like this whole thing. And then the beach scene and the volleyball and I'm 15 years old. And it just like, and it was summertime. It was like the perfect summertime movie and it's summertime in Lake Tahoe and it's the volleyball and like, we would go to the beach to the volleyball court on the beach down at ski beach. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Sunglasses the, and motorcycles, yeah, the Ray-Bans. And like, it was just a perfect, the soundtrack was like everything. So it was just like the perfect summer movie. But the funniest part is that I was at the park. State Cream, so the movie showings were at seven and then, or seven 30. And then at 10, yeah. I guess. Yeah. After the 7.30 movie let out, the rush happened because everyone went to Parkside Creamery and got their ice cream. Right. So I'm back there scooping ice cream, <laughs> making sundaes, like whatever. And then you shut down the store and every time I shut down the Parkside Creamery and then I would go to the movie theater and Jeff, who ran the ticket counter, was a good friend of my brother's, let me in. And every time I walked in, it was right when the volleyball scene started <laughs> <laughs> and I sat and I stayed and watched the rest of Top Gun for the entire, like I did that the entire summer. Wow. <laughs> it's so silly. So I guess that is a very specific viewing. Yeah. Moment. That's a lot of, that's a lot of Tom Cruise. I'm telling you, it was like that summer movie was like the best. And it's the only, you know, we only had one screen, so but I don't remember ever going back to the movie theater and doing that again with any other movie. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So you, are you saying like you saw it 40 times from, yes. from the volleyball scene on? <laughs> totally. 
What's your favorite line from that movie? The one where Iceman, where Val Kilmer goes. <laughs> That's like, what I thought movie. you were going to say. <laughs> it's like, you're dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I don't trust you. And he chops him. <laughs> yeah. Take me to bed and lose me forever. <laughs> That's a great one. You sound just like her. <laughs> Or maybe I've heard you say that a lot, and that's why I think that my memory of that line comes from you directly and not from her. <laughs> that movie was so good. Do you have a movie that you would choose to sum up the, the good of humanity? Like if the aliens were coming down, they're like, we're going to destroy you unless you can give us a reason not to kill you. <laughs> what would you show them? Be like, hey, hey, we're good people. I don't know. This is a terrible thing. Weirdly, the movie that is popping to my head, but it is not the answer to your question. But the weirdly, the movie that keeps popping up into my head is Life is Beautiful, which is so not. Why not? I don't know, because it's like, uh, I mean, God, do you remember? That's the one with the concentration camps and the dad. Yeah. Oh, God, that movie was so good. That movie is my choice for that question. It is? Yeah. Shut up. That's yeah. like the only movie that keeps popping into my head. But I guess it's just, I mean, I guess it would make sense then. Why? Because they're in this terrible predicament, but he's just making it magical for his son so that he doesn't recognize the horror that's around him. He's like hanging on to life as he's, you know, slaving away for the Nazis. And he's still putting up this show, this game for his kid just to keep the kid alive and keep them, you know, sane. And and keep his, that young magic that a child has and not letting it just be wrecked before it needs to be. Yeah. And like to try and keep that magic always through you in life. I love those kinds of stories, obviously. Like, I just think that I just love ma- like feeling like, life is magical and it's an adventure and it's beautiful and it's funny and you can overcome stuff and you can go fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that movie is like, I don't know if this is your, if this is your life motto, but this is kind of my experience with you is you can always make the best out of a bad situation or a boring situation. And this is what the second half of the movie is all about. Just, you know, yeah. trying your best to to make someone else's day better. That's very nice of you to say that about me, Luke. Thank you. You're welcome. It's nice. The first half of that movie is just like pure romance. And he's like doing all of these grand gestures. He shows up in the horse. And it's it's great on two levels for me is, is the romantic side, but then also the father side of just being selfless. Yeah. And, you know, I forgot about all the grand gestures of things. Gosh, I love a grand gesture. I, I love to do a grand gesture and I want grand gestures done to me. Like, I love that kind of a thing. Is that your love language? I'd love a grand gesture. Is acts of service the one though? Because isn't that like just like the little things around the house? I need big things. I need John Cusack outside of my door with the fucking boombox in his hands. Like if Dwight and I are in a fight, that motherfucker better be outside of my house with boombox <laughs> in his hands and flowers coming in. Like I love that kind of 
I want my life. And I've actually said this to him, which is I want my life to feel like a movie. Yeah. Don't we all? In all the ways. Do you have a song in mind that you would want him to play on those that boom box? <laughs> Knowing him, it would be a print song. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like a, a notorious B.I.G. song. Well, no, you have to remember who's doing the grand gesture. Right, right It's right, Dwight, right. and he loves Prince, but it, in which I love Prince too because it's the only person that I've actually literally cried when he passed. Oh yeah, I love Prince. Mm-hmm. That talk about Purple Rain, that movie. God, that movie was so good. Saw that in the movie theater. Okay, I think I just have one question left for you. Okay. If the world is ending and you have a bunker, but you can only bring in one movie with you to watch over and over and over, what is the movie that you're going to bring? National Treasure. (laughs) 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 Because I have literally watched that movie over and over and over. We end this and I turn the TV on and it happens to be on. I will watch it. Good night. If I'm done, like I will watch that movie at any point in time, at any, I love, I don't know what it is about that movie other than obviously I need to find a treasure, but I love that movie. I love the history of it because if you look up some of the history in it, it actually is truly, honestly true. Yeah. I love the characters in it. I think that the little dude is hilarious. I love the, I love that movie. From beginning to end. It's a lot of fun. I know. I don't know if anyone else would put that into their thing, but I would literally watch it all the time. I still, I watch it all the time now. I probably watched it like three days ago. (laughs) So you're in the, what, 200 level of number of watching that? Yeah. Wow. I'm sure of it. I love it. Thank you, Nicolas Cage. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, Michelle, it is time to lock up your capsule. Um, and since this is a, a low budget show, I need you to provide the sound effect for the capsule closing. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Okay. The capsule's closing. Dust just flowing out of it. Mm-hmm. But it's a brand new capsule. Oh, it is? <laughs> brand new capsule. Then it's just like a nice little clink. Dink. <laughs> All right, Michelle. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and and telling me your movies. You're very welcome. Hey, thanks for inviting me. If you want a recap of everything in Michelle's capsule, you can go to lukechaney.com slash MTC. And if you like this podcast, if you enjoyed it, please go rate it on Apple Podcasts. It will help out the show tremendously. I will leave you with this movie quote, as I always end with a movie quote. And it is, I'm going to have a lump there, you idiot. Who throws a shoe, honestly? Mm